today I want to talk to you about, last week we talked to you about um, how warriors of Christ are dependent upon the Lord. We are servants of the Lord, and I kind of feel like this is a continuation. So my title today is, we're just going to be fully dependent upon the Lord. Where, where He becomes the air that we breathe, the life that we, that we believe that we live in. I just want to encourage everybody to say this to everybody. Listen, we should all be on a journey of transformation that every year we look more and more like Jesus. If you are born again and there's never been any sense of transformation in your life, you can get involved in transformation. I, I just want you to know that I, I believe heaven is a glorious place and for those who believe that's where we're going. But we're not there yet. And the job of the believer is to impact their generation with Jesus. And the loudest message that you can carry is your life. And I want you to understand something. Your life begins at home. Your life of being a witness of Christ is not in the streets first. Your life of witnessing Christ is to your spouse first. Secondly, is to your children. Listen, if you can't reflect Christ to your spouse, your kids are seeing a reflection that you really don't want them to see. And so in order to do that, you have to become dependent, dependent upon the outcome of Jesus in your life. You know, listen, when I got married, I, I, just, I was just a little boy. I was 19 years old, but a full little boy. I thought I was a man, but I was a little boy. And I didn't, I didn't, I'm not even telling you that I'm, I've become a man yet. I'm still growing up. But what's, what's helped make the transformation is being married. Amen. Is that my wife has pulled me through some knot holes. And that's not saying anything bad about her. That's about transforming my life because the spouse of each partner transforms that person so that the two become one. And I'm just going to, I'm going to harp on this for a little while. So if I step on your toes, please forgive me because I have no intentions of stepping on anybody's toes. But I'm, I'm going to speak what life is all about. And you're not going to become the God-fearing man or woman that you need to be outside of Jesus. Quit playing games. You don't have the power in your own self to walk away from sin. How in the world are you going to walk away from your own self if you can't do it with Jesus? You got, you need Jesus. And so the Bible says in Psalms 46, verse 1, that God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. I've told you this story before, and I want you to know that I believe it is on both sides of the fence, that marriage should be the ultimate goal between two people. And marriage is the standard of God. And it ain't between two men or two women. It's between a male and a female. Because that's the way he planned it, and that's the way he instructed it to be. Why? Because in that culture, the female and the male pull on each other to transform them to become one that looks, looks more like Jesus. Because I mean, if you know, God is both male and female. Oh, 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 I know that's kind of weird, but I mean, the truth is, is that he's God. And we came from him. We were made in his likeness, in his image. You can't get away from that. You know, the Bible says that the Lord is the breasty one. 
All right. Chew on that for a little while. And I don't mean that you understand. I'm just making references that the Lord is God. All right, y'all have fun with that one. But I want you to know there, there, there's still times in my life right now I need, I need Jesus to help me in my relationships. Because I can talk a good game all day long about loving Jesus, but if I can't show the love of God to those who live around me, then where is the love of God? You know, Rachel and I sometimes, we carry a heavy burden for people that I can't, I can't. And you all have these experiences where you carry heavy burdens for people. We carry this heavy burden and you don't know how to shake yourself from it. But I know this is the more I inquire of the Lord, he gives answers before you ever have to involve yourself in any given situation. So you can move into any given situation in faith and with courage because before you got to face the situation, he's already giving you the outcome. So when you're dealing with life, the promises of the word of God are already there. So like in my world, I see from the standard of the scripture that if I love according to the standard of Christ, I'm to give my life for that woman so that she knows what it is to experience the love of God. And so that means there's a lot of demands that she has, and none of them are bad for me. My mother started the journey a long time ago trying to train me how to iron and how to press and how to become family-oriented. She did her best. But then she came along and whipped me into submission. (laughs) Now, I'm only speaking from these positions because I know that my life challenges the snot out of her, too. So she doesn't talk a whole bunch about it, but I know that we pull on each other to be transformed, to be more like Jesus. And I need Christ to do that. So in my troubles, I cried unto the Lord and he heard my cry and he delivered me not from the evil, but from the evil within me. Therefore, I will not be afraid. In other words, because I've now begun to change the culture of my life internally, I have nothing to be afraid of. I don't have to be afraid of change. He says, even though the earth be removed, that would be a huge change. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, that'd be a huge change. Though the waters thereof would roar and be troubled, that looks like a major hurricane. And though the mountains shake and with their swelling thereof, I will not be afraid. Why? Because he's present and I depend on him. We've talked about this before, but Ray and I, sometimes we still get into our little selfish, you know, skirmishes. But they're not like they used to be. Because the more you die to yourself, you learn to just button your lip and do the job of being a husband or a wife. It's not being a caretaker or changing the dirty diapers. It's being a husband, a father, a mother, a wife, whatever it takes. You have to become it so that they see Jesus in your house. So the kingdom identity that God has for you comes from him. 
And Jesus is the foundation to your identity, but they're determined by promises. So how do I determine my outcome? How do I determine what my marriage, my life, my family should look like? I've got to enter into the promise, and I've got to look at it with me right in the center of it. Because I can say amen to everybody else about this promise is what the word says for you. But when's the last time I dove into the promise and I dreamed of the promise for me? Every time I've ever gone before the Lord and complained about Rachel, he's always remind me that I wasn't loving her according to his standard. And I promise you, if she ever, I'm not telling you she doesn't, but if she listens to Jesus and she goes and complains about me, he's going to say the same thing. Because this journey is about dying to your nasty self. And my nasty self wants my way and I want it right now. Because we've been raised in a culture that says, give it to me and give it to me now. I mean, we get mad when we drive up into the Cane's parking lot and we got to wait five minutes for hot fried chicken. Dad, gummy, it takes 20 minutes to fry it. Why aren't they frying enough chicken? Because we're, we're selfish. We want it on our standard. But life is not lived on your standard. Life's lived on his standard. Now, I want to show you this about entering into the promises of God. Remember, Jesus is always the gate, and he is the ultimate promise, and he is the promise of God. But here's what we deal with. Religion refuses. Now, look at this statement. Religion refuses to deal with God on his terms. Religion insists on making its own deals and at the end has nothing to show for it. And if you look across our culture, do you know that the people of God should be so happy, so blessed, so fortunate, so favored, and yet most of the church is broke, busted, and disgusted. And you say, why? Because there's a form of godliness, but we deny the power of doing it his way. I want it my way, but I love Jesus. Okay, I understand that. But why, why, why do we have so much brokenness and not increase? Why not transformation? Where's the transformation of life? Who's being transformed in here? My God, I want to be transformed. I want to look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. I want my grandchildren, my daughters, my son-in-laws, my wife. I want you. When you come and we hug and embrace and say hello, there's a sense of love and affection that's real and pure. Real and pure. It's not something twisted or wicked or evil. We're in this thing together because we love each other from a pureness. But religion says, I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to do Jesus like I want. And that's fine. You'll, you'll cross over one day and go to heaven, but never have what you're supposed to have in this world. Because religion stripped you of the power that comes with it. You see, our greatest thing that we're fighting is a belief system. It's a promise. You see, God promised that you and I have dominion in the earth. So why don't we? Because we don't bear the responsibility to enter into it. The only time that we want to act like we have dominion is when we're in a fight with someone. 
because that's why the fight is there. But real dominion is about laying your life down, but yet at the same time, you do have the authority to speak to things around you, call things that are not as though they are, but you got to do it from God's perspective. Like, we don't slap back and hit back when people hit us. We forgive, and we pray for our enemies, and we do good for them. And those are weapons that work to our advantage, but they seem minor. They seem like a loaf of bread. You remember in Gideon's day that the, there was a dream that the loaf of bread would roll down a hill and crush the commander's tents. That's what happens when we do it his way. The word of God sets into motion the destruction of evil that's around you because you believe his word, you dream his word, you begin to talk his word because it's a reality. It's not fake. You know, I'd rather you speak the word than not speak the word, but there's another place than just confessing the word. There's a place where it comes out of overflow. You're in his presence and it becomes so real, but it's never arrogant. It's never self-seeking. It's never about, like, oh, I ain't going to go down. But you understand, it's about my submission to the Most High God. And I can do this very quietly, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prophesy my outcome. I will live long, and I will serve the Lord for many, many years and decades I have faith to believe that my wife and I will live long and strong, healthy and wealthy. How do I get there? I determine I'm going to go there and I'm going to say it out of real sincerity, but I also do my best now to realize that I'm coming up on 60 and if I don't want a broken life, I better get my behind on another level of health. Physical health, spiritual health, emotional health, because that's the only way we're going to read this destiny because everything begins to work against you. See, our temptation, though, in our day right now, on top of everything we've already discussed, and I haven't really got into my message, so you have to trust that this is the Holy Ghost, <laughs> is that our temptation in this life is to live absorbed and exhausted in your everyday obligation. That's your temptation. It's to live for the moment and every single day. I got too many things to do. And in the process, you lose track of time and you doze off, and you become really oblivious of God. And you never adventure into his dreams, because you don't have time. We don't pray anymore. We don't read the word anymore. I am very grateful that I will say this. It has been such a delight and such a surprise. You would say, why is this a surprise? We're talking in church. Anytime in my times of pastoring, I would call times of prayer. And this is not pointing fingers at anyone. It's just the culture. If you could get five people to join you in prayer, we were doing really good. Since we started this year, and I said on Wednesday nights, if you'd like to come, we're going to pray 10 minutes before church come. It's an amazing thing to happen. That little front room up there will fill up. And I'm so grateful because you can see that something within the heart of the church is beginning to catch fire. And be grateful for that. Now, if you're not here, that doesn't mean you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like church, prayer, reading the Bible, those are all essentials to the, to the life of a healthy believer. There's a lot of believers who believe they don't, they don't need church anymore. They can self-church. That's like selfish. It's, it's just flat out selfish. Because what about the rest of us who need you? 
So all of this is about you. This is about your life, your little adventure. You're afraid of getting your toes stepped on. Hey, look, brother, let me just welcome you to life. You're going to get your toes stepped on. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get disappointed. But that's a part of the maturity process because at that point, when I'm broken, I need Jesus. And I'm not walking away from my obligations. This woman's hurt my feelings a lot of times, and I've hurt her feelings a lot of times, but that doesn't disband the covenant connection. So life has consequences. Choices have consequences. Choose life, you get life. Choose death, you get death. But I do want to remind you of one thing. None of us today are slaves to the old, unrenewed, conscious that we live with every day. You see, when you think about how much hurt has happened to you in the past, the question should be, why are you still there? Because you're not bound by that anymore. You're not a slave to that. When you were born again, you were liberated from every bondage of the past. And so for us to continue to think like old sinners, it's just, it's a, it's a ploy of Satan. None of you that are in here or what you think you are. You're anointed by God. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have dominion in the earth. And yet we believe that he's not for us. We believe that he won't see us through it. We believe that we're going to get burned and we're not going to make it on the other side. We are afraid of enemies when you are created to terrorize the darkness. But yet the church is terrorized by the darkness. You can't sleep at night because you're terrorized. Why? Because you've never renewed your mind, but yet you're not in bondage to it. Jesus liberated you from that, but we just haven't entered into the promise. See, you're no longer a slave to the old, unrenewed mind, nor are you slave to the unachievable rules of religion Amen. that produce nothing for you. We're to live as Jesus lived in the earth, in constant fellowship with the Father. Now we're in constant fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Ghost. We have access to the most holiest place in the universe. Why don't we use this more often? Why aren't we before him in conversations and being honest? I need help because I can't break my patterns. But he has the power to lead you through them. He would never ask you to transform your life if he's not going to lead you through it. That'd be a wicked in, uh, God. You know, I mean, it's like telling your kids, go do your homework and you're not willing to help them. Especially when they're young and they're struggling. You sit down with them. I, I'm a, I, I love like when, when Rachel and Leah and they work with their kids. Those are the ones that are in the school right now. Missy's a good example of that too. They just work with their kids through the problems. But you know that's what life is? You work with your kids through the problems. They're going to face struggles. They're going to face heartaches. They're going to face disappointments. And because you're older, you've been there. Now you help them through the problems. But that's what Jesus does. He's with me in trouble. He goes before me. He speaks to me. He leads me. He guides me. So what are you afraid of?
Just a great question. I have so much material in so little time. So let me go to this. We're fully dependent upon the Lord. You agree with that? So the word tells us, if that's the case, I'm fully dependent upon Christ. Then don't waste a minute. Don't squander your precious daylight hours with irresponsibility, indulgence, sleeping around, debauchery, backbiting, and grabbing everything in sight. You say, well, Pastor, I don't do that. But what about inside? You know, most sin is not, is not always physical. A lot of times, it's in your dream world, and that's why if you don't transform your dream world into a covenant dream world, a Christ-like dream world, you'll dream these things. So the question is, why do we waste so much time? Because we only have so much time in this earth. So if the Word of God tells us, why do we waste time, that must mean time is very important. That must mean that you and I have far more access to the power of God than what we can ever imagine. Why do we sit in our dark places in our homes and dream things that bring no life to us? You see, Gideon and his remnant, those of Israel, were a part of a, the larger family. Gideon, the, the remnant, they were part of the large family. And they give us an example that you can overcome the darkness in this world by first of all, fellowshipping with God. Gideon fellowshiped with God. But then he obeyed what he heard. And then he began to sound the decrees of victory. And somewhere within that earthen vessel was a light. And that light that was in Gideon is now in you. And when this light, when this vessel becomes broken and dependent upon Christ, the light shines forth. The more we keep ourselves before the Lord and we keep ourselves humble, knowing that without Him I can do nothing, but with Him I can do everything. The more that I live in a broken state, but yet a full state. It's kind of a weird thing. I'm broken, but I'm full. In those moments, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6-7, through 7, it says, For God who said... Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Jesus. So in other words, everything we need is found in the face of Jesus. In other words, it's in the face of the promise. You've got to dream from his presence. You don't dream from the sin ridden world that we come from. You dream out of a different camp. You dream out of the light of His promise. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Just like Gideon. There was fire burning that was hidden, but it was there. It was inside a jar of clay. 
And at the proper time, the light came out, the clays were smashed, the trumpets blew, the shout of God came, and the enemies turned on themselves, and the children of Israel were delivered. See, the more that we empty ourselves of oppression and fear and depression and regret and unbelief and we create a hunger for righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, those will be the moments that you get gloriously filled with His presence. You get hungry for Him. And I want to show you this this final scripture because I really wanted to get to this just to make sure that you know that you're capable of doing anything with Him. In Psalms chapter 18, verse 28 through 35, it says, You, Lord, you keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can. With your help, I can achieve or advance, excuse me, against any troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? Question mark. It's a question that we have to ask. Who is God to you? Is He God to you or your fear? Is he God to you or your anxiety? Is he God to you or is your unbelief God? Who's God? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms now, I want you to see this, strengthened by God. I can bend the bow of bronze. In other words, I can take on what's impossible. Because you make your saving help my shield. And your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. Your help makes me great. Your help makes me great. Not my intelligence, not my brilliance. It's His help. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His loving kindness and my need of Him. And I, want to just, I just want to comfort you today that there's something very powerful about unity. And if the house, the family of God, hears the message similar and we get a hold of the message and we all begin to present ourselves before the Lord as vessels of honor but yet broken, fires of God yet fully dependent upon His fuel and His light, everything about our lives completely dependent upon Him, there's something powerful when people start unifying around that. I'm telling you, it'll transform everything around you. It'll give you opportunities that you've never seen before. That's why he tells you, dream my dreams, expand your tents, go bigger than you ever thought before. But you can't do it from the flesh side. Do it from the spirit. The flesh will kill you. Do you know that Satan tries to do everything he can to mask over and uses good and he counterfeits the good 
so that he can destroy you with what looks good. I'm going to make one statement that the Lord told me I have to make, so be prepared. You ready? You sure? Sex is the reward of marriage. It is the reward of a husband and wife being in covenant together. Anything outside of that, sex is good. It's always good. But sex outside of marriage will destroy you. Because it'll destroy your conscience. It'll mark your conscience. It'll blur your conscience. It'll cause guilt, shame, and condemnation. But in the context of marriage, it's blessed. It's honored. And so for the church, the world does its own thing. But within the church, you should be holy. I should be holy. We should be holy as he is holy. And that just is not a physical thing. And so, so... An emotional thing. You're not supposed to be peeking out there and looking at what's over there or looking what's over there. You're not supposed to be dreaming outside of your covenant. You're not supposed to be wasting your time. Dream about your spouse. God will make your fire burn. All right. If you find yourself in one of those positions and you just need to cry out to God for repentance, you need to do it, just go ahead and do it. But I'm just telling you, this is what the Word of God says, and the church has to start speaking up on it. If not, the whole thing's going to hell. Because the church can't even talk about stuff without people getting mad. And it's like, man, we've become a weak people. Can't even speak truth. Everybody won't get mad. Well, I ain't coming back to church. What are you going to tell Jesus when you stand before him and he's face to face and you say, I ain't staying here. <laughs> well, the only destination is hell. So you're going to, you're going to depart heaven on your own choice. I, oh, I, I don't want your holiness. I, I, I don't want to stay here. Uh-uh. I'd rather do my stuff. See you later, Jesus. Whoa. There ain't no in between either, brother. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying. This is real. This is just, I think this is just real. You got to make your mark and say, you know what? I'm going to live according to these standards. And if I have some flaws in my life, I got to bring them before Jesus and I got to start working on them. If I have a hunger for that which is broken, I need to have it severed. I need Jesus to deliver me. Even though I'm born again, I'm fully alive under Christ. I got some stuff that needs to be worked out. And I did. I had a lot of stuff that needed to be worked out in my life as a young man. But I ain't a young man no more. And I don't have the foolishness in me anymore. So I'm really just trying to help us go somewhere we've never been before. So for every one of you that are not married, there's a, my dear friend, Brian Martin, told me this years and years ago that they learned this in a church that they visited with Lexi when they were in Georgia. He says, you want to keep yourself clean, keep your shoes on. He said, what do you mean? Well, if you keep your shoes on, you're not going to take your pants off. If your pants are still on, you ain't getting to my panties. I'll leave it like that. Let's stand up. Thank you.